Hello again, Fight Fans. Welcome to episode 226 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero, and we got a lot to talk about today. Big, big breaking news. Big baby breaking news. I'm sure you know where I'm going with that. Jarrell Big Baby Miller test positive. This is the third strike. I hear a lot of you guys or see a lot of you guys on Twitter saying, oh, man, this is the second time. Nah, he tested hot back in his kickboxing days. This is a third strike for Jarrell Big Baby Miller. And I think all things considered, this is the biggest story in boxing since the lockdown that, you know, the COVID lockdown that basically shut us all down. This is the biggest story, man, because this is a three time thing with Jarrell Big Baby Miller. And we're going to have a guest on later, uh, Jonathan Lear who is pretty much an expert in this stuff. He, he's trained professional athletes in the NFL, Major League Baseball, uh, professional bodybuilders. He is a U.S. Powerlifting Association coach. This dude's a powerlifter. He can bench a lot more than I can. <laughs> and uh, he'll be on to talk about the situation with Jarrell Miller because, guys, the stuff that he's testing positive for, it's scary shit. It's really, really scary shit. And you guys remember last year, he tested positive for like three different things. So if that's what he tested hot for, that means he's probably doing a lot more than that. So we'll be talking about that here in a few minutes. But um, let's see, before we get started, a quick reminder, guys, as always, uh, phone lines are open. Get on the lines if you guys want to talk. Let, my, let me and my guests chat for a little bit, but then get in the queue. Last week, the phone lines were down. I didn't even realize it. Skype changed some patch or something and didn't tell us so you know you would think they you know i'm paying for that monthly service you would think they'd email me and say check your settings we just made an update no they don't so last week i was wondering why why did we have any callers on last week's show that's never happened before well now we know the phone lines were down they're back open right now so uh give us you know 20 30 minutes or so and then jump on the lines we got a local usa number a local uk number for those of you watching live the numbers are right behind me here on the wall, all right? The wall of glory behind me. Uh, as always, remind you guys, give us a like, give us a share, subscribe, spread the word about the show, spread the word about the channel. Also want to thank two new patrons over on Patreon, Trent Nonparil, who is uh, super awesome. He, he watches every show live. Trent, if I'm butchering that last name, I apologize. Just let me know how to pronounce it, brother. I'm probably destroying it. And Antonio Luna. Thank you so much, Antonio. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much to both of you guys. Thank you to everybody who supports the show here on YouTube and on all of the other platforms that we're on. Uh, speaking of which, I'm going to have some big news to announce to you guys for TNC very, very soon in the coming weeks. Can't talk about it just quite yet, but... Big news, big development. The show is going to go from here to here. We're going to take another leap forward in just a few weeks, guys. So uh, sometime in July, I'll have a big announcement for you guys that I'm super excited about. Uh, speaking of Patreon, we've made a couple of updates over there. We have uh, three different levels where you guys can contribute a uh, dollar a month. You're a soldier. You're an MOB soldier. $5 a month, you're an MOB capo, capo regime. And $10 a month, you're a boss. If you get into $10 a month, but there's different things that we include uh, at those levels. I need to get better about updating the Patreon more. I don't get over there enough. I want you guys to know those of you who are patrons to, to MOB, I can't thank you enough. Every dime we get 
goes into the show. And I just, you know, found out today that one of the laptops I'm using here took a dump. It's basically 10 years old. I got to get a new freaking MacBook. So, I mean, there it is again. Just, just when I think I'm getting ahead, something breaks. But <laughs> so every little bit helps, guys. Of course, here on YouTube with the Super Chat and all that stuff. Uh, I just, I appreciate it so much. I, I can't tell you guys how much I appreciate it. And a couple of you guys commented uh, recently, you know, over the last week or so. Hey, Mike, you know. You've been talking about politics a little bit too much. You've been a little angry recently. Keep that shit out. Keep it to boxing. Look, I hear you, okay? We'll, we'll keep it to boxing, all right? We'll keep it to boxing this week, I promise. But um, when uh, let me just say this, guys. When I speak on politics and when others in the media speak on politics, I do find it interesting. When you guys agree, you don't say stick to boxing. You always say stick to boxing when you don't agree, just be consistent. But look, sometimes you just need to vent a little bit. And I thought I kept it short. There was one of you guys who gave me a one-star rating. I think it was on iTunes. Because I talked about the ESPN's uh, top-ranked show, the, the original one, like two Tuesdays ago, how they talked about politics too much. Because for like the better part of the three-hour broadcast, at least half of it, were these political vignettes on COVID and, and all the protests and riots and stuff. And I basically said, man, you know, they just need to, you know, yeah, do that shit for a few minutes, but get back to boxing. And when you gave me a one-star review on my show on iTunes because of that one sentence, that's how you motherfuckers are, some of you out there. You disagree with one sentence, and you're going to drop a one-star review like that. All right, whatever. Hey, Every review, whether it's one star or five stars, that's an extra review for me. That bumps me up a little bit. So thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, our guest will be on here probably in about 10 minutes. So let me talk a little bit about Jarrell Big Baby Miller. Um, thank you. I see a bunch of you guys in the chat already. Thank you so much, guys. And uh, hit that thumbs up button, by the way. So Jarrell Big Baby Miller, he was going to fight on June 9th, I do believe, on a top-ranked card against Jerry Forrest Gump. No, just kidding. It's just Jerry Forrest. And uh, he hasn't fought since November 2018, right? He was supposed to fight AJ last year. Blew what could have potentially been down the road for him. Eight figures. It could have eventually led to over $10 million. And you screw that up by testing positive on multiple diff- from multiple different samples collected for multiple performance-enhancing drugs, banned substances. So uh, one of them was GW501516, it's a SARM. And HGH and EPO, you guys, some of you out there, uh, you might know about that stuff. You might not. We'll talk about it a little bit here. We'll get a little granular with it. I promise we won't get too granular and bore the shit out of you. But I want to talk to our guest, Jonathan Lear, about this stuff because He's very familiar with it in the bodybuilding and powerlifting world. He's also seen professional athletes around this stuff. Again, he's worked with guys in the NFL, Major League Baseball. He's been around it. So I just want you guys to get a sense of what this shit does and how scary it is that a dude like this, Big Baby Miller, I I think by now it's pretty obvious. This guy's been cheating for years because he tested again back in his kickboxing days. This dude has been up to this shit. For a long time. I doubt he just started now. Think about it, guys. Why would you just start when you're about to hit a huge payday with Anthony Joshua last year? If he did just start for Anthony Joshua and he didn't fight for almost two years and he needs money, why would he start again 
for this top-ranked show when it's such a low-level opponent. No disrespect to the guy he was going to fight, but it, you could, you could, you know, in your mind, you could brainstorm and you could think, okay, I see why this guy wanted to dope for AJ. He was insecure about fighting him. But the guy he was going to fight in a couple weeks, or actually, yeah, yeah, two weeks, like, he didn't need to dope for that. So I think it's very, very obvious now. Again, we, did, we can't know for 100%, you know, certainty. We don't know that. But a good educated guess. This dude's been doping for a long time. And go back, Google, Google images Jarrell Miller when he was kickboxing. Look at his figure, his physical form back then, and compare it to his form now. And you will see a change. You'll see a change in his physique, his form. And I think it's just very, very clear, especially with HGH and what that does to you. That's what's going on here with this dude. Scary. How many guys did he get in the ring with? How many guys has he sparred while he's been doing this shit? Not cool, man. Not cool. And it's, you know what? It's a bad look for top rank. It's a real bad look for top rank. It's also a bad look for James Prince. Because I guess it's James Prince who brought Big Baby to top rank. At least that's the way I understand it. Uh, Prince gave him a cash advance, right? And top rank has obviously invested their own money and time getting them prepared for this show, testing, all this stuff. Like, they're paying for that shit, right? The promotion, ESPN, uh, getting them on that show for July 9th. They, so there, there's a financial investment. There's an energy and time investment. They've all made that, and now they're ass out. They're not getting any of that money back that they spent from Miller. I, I mean, maybe that cash advance that James Prince gave, that, that's just gone. You ain't getting that back. So uh, that's tough. That's tough, man. But you kind of get what you pay for, right? I mean, I, I don't want to – I see a lot of you real quick. I got to jump to this over here. We've got a super chat pledge from my man, Pietro. Thank you so much, dog. He says, here, bro, I'm more than the boss now. Right you are, Pietro. Grazie, Pazano. I appreciate, I appreciate it, man. You're definitely a boss. And um, I can't, uh, yo, dude, you're on here. <laughs> he says, Miller equals shit. I love it. Pietro's got the wrench here on YouTube. So he's over here blocking trolls and everything else. And um, I, I appreciate all your help, Pietro. All right, uh, Jonathan's on the chat, too, and he's calling in. All right, Jonathan, I'm going to get you on the line, bro, because, guys, we need to talk about this. I mean, this is just – this is, again, I think the biggest story in the sport since the COVID lockdown. Nothing's been happening. 99% of the shit people have been making videos about, podcasts about, and even articles about, including ringtv.com, where I write. Some of the articles I'm seeing posted there. It's just rumors. That's what everyone's talking about. Oh, maybe Mike Tyson's coming back. Maybe Oscar De La Hoya's coming back. Maybe this other old guy's coming back. Maybe that one's coming back. Well, now we got some real news, right? I think this is the biggest, juiciest nugget of news that has happened since the lockdown. So let's talk about this. Uh, Let's bring on our guest here, Jonathan Lear, who is, I should mention, the host of the Ring Walk podcast, Boxing's Handicapping Show. He makes money punting pugilist, analyst, writer, athlete, trainer, Jonathan Lear. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Can you hear me, Mike? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Good, 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 man. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm in the studio as well, doing what we do on a Monday. But uh, glad to be on the show, man. Thanks for having me on. 
Thanks for being on, man. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for getting on here last second. Uh, as soon as this news broke with, with uh, Big Baby, I wanted to have you on because I know that you're pretty knowledgeable about this stuff. I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of time and energy researching it, but you definitely know a lot more than me. Could you just briefly tell everybody out there watching, um, you know, just your experience in, in athletics, powerlifting, all that good sure. stuff, and then let's get into the drug talk. Yeah, um, I don't want people to think that I'm just a massive uh, steroid juicer or dealer or anything like that, but I have <laughs> yeah. been a personal trainer for, gosh, uh, 15 years, and in that time, I, uh, gosh, I started out training uh, down in Southern California, Gold's Gym, the actual Gold's Gym, not the franchise one, but, you know, the Arnold Gold's Gym, I was training there, got to know and work with a lot of athletes uh, and bodybuilders, et cetera, and that's where your first forte is into, you know, finding out what the performance is all about. And then, uh, you know, the powerlifting coach uh, trains, you know, guys. I've been lucky enough to train guys, uh, Major League Baseball, uh, NFL, you name it. And just, you know, normal guys like you and me that like to get after it in the gym. So I've mm-hmm. uh, been around uh, all kinds of athletic performance all over my life. And when you're at different levels and even just your run-of-the-mill mom-and-pop dudes that, you know, go into the gym, performance-enhancing drugs plays a big part in that culture. So uh, well-versed in the administration, the utilization, and uh, what different drugs do for different people. Okay, well, let's talk about it. Um... So we don't know yet, I think, 100% what he tested positive for, but we know apparently, according to Bob Arum and Bob Bennett, that it's one of the three things he tested for last year, last March. Uh, GW501516, that's the scientific name. I know that it's commonly known as a, a, a different name. Could you talk a little bit about that SARM and what it does? So first off, it does sound like that is, uh, the performance-enhancing drug that he tested positive for. Okay. Uh, and I want to be very clear. Um, we don't know the levels uh, of the test yet, you know. Um, so there is a change. Again, there are rare times where something like that, that son can, you know, run into a, a, a different, you know, supplement, over-the-counter supplement, but it is incredibly rare. And when you're already busted for it before you're going to take every step not to you know have that type of cross-contamination again but that being said the the supplement uh it's not a steroid there's a performance enhancing drug it's a SARM it's different from uh a classification of a steroid those types of things are actually made uh to uh, by doctors for other things for treatments of diabetes obesity etc uh for people that have issues with steroids but uh GW, uh, it's easier to call it endurable or uh, right. tartarine. Um, yeah, so I guess if we're, I don't, without getting too scientific on it, it's like exercise in a pill. Um, you know, there's been studies, that, the things that they like to sell it on, that it increases athletic endurance by 70%. Pretty much what it does, in effect, is increase the utilization of fat for energy. And so what happens a lot of times, guys get fatigued, run out of time, and the conversion for energy is the difficulty. Uh, somebody like him, which I was very quick to say last time he posted, tested positive for that, uh, things like that, uh, things like clenbuterol, the different uh, utilizations for energy, what they'll do is they'll help a guy that's 300 pounds, or any pounds, but in his situation, last longer, and be able to do the things that he's doing in the first and second round like he's doing in the seventh, eighth, and ninth round. 
And that's where the clear benefit is. And it's also one of the reasons why, and anybody that's listened to me before yell at the top of my lungs about this shit, is it's fucking dangerous. Because right. you've got guys on one side that are performing like it's the seventh, I mean, like it's the first or second, and the other guy across the edge is winded. You're landing hard punches and you're doing stuff. You could, you could kill guys. You know what I mean? And that's, that's Well, that's where the injuries about. happen a lot of times, is when, when an opponent's worn down. And yeah, if you have another guy in there who's fresh as hell the last few rounds of a fight, you know, and, and look, you talked about Clem Buterol. You know, there's certain fighters that have always had stamina issues, and suddenly in recent fights, they're looking fresh as hell in the championship rounds. That shit looks suspicious, right? Yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, and there's a lot of confusion in regards to this, so I'm glad that you said that. Um, it does not mean that a fighter is taking those drugs, those steroids, at the time of the fight. So mm -hmm. they could piss clean, but that's because they've already removed it from the system. You do not need to have the steroids in your body to have long-lasting effects. Um, if you train at, like, our Olympic teams, they train at high altitudes, and there's a reason for that, blood oxygen, you know, blood oxygen levels. And so it doesn't mean that the Olympics are always, you know, hosted in Denver. Right. You're getting, you're, Jonathan, you just got a little muffled. You got a little muffled. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Is that better, Nah, you got kind of muffled again. Son of a bitch. Now I can hear That's you. That's what happens with these cell phone carriers. Okay, there you go. Um, the problem being that if with these types of drugs, you can take them, cycle off of them, but still have a long-lasting benefit from it. And that's the really scary thing because right. uh, that's when it leads into testing and actually having regular testing done. These guys can clear it out pretty quickly, especially orals like GW that has a half-life of 24 hours and will be cleared out of the system. I didn't realize it has a half-life of 24 hours. Yes, sir. So, you, so I mean, you basically have to be a fucking idiot to get caught with this shit in your system. I, pardon my French, but if it has a half-life of 24 hours. Yes, it does. And so that's the thing. Is Then you're saying, well, gosh, you know, is that something that he has to be taking every day? What are you taking? Just And that will be the argument. And that's what he tried to make the argument about that supplement before was that there was cross-contamination with, like, say, a normal supplement. Very rarely. Then you're saying, and I not only did it get cross-contaminated, but I ended up taking the same damn supplement again when I have millions of dollars on the line and I've already failed, you know, four times on two drugs. It, it's just ridiculous. And I so, mean, the odds of that uh, happening. Dude, I'm reminded of that scene in Casino it's, where uh, <laughs> Robert De Niro, you know, is yelling at the, the worker at uh, the casino because the machine hit three times in a row. And he goes, yep. it could never fucking happen. It's in the billions. That's basically <laughs> what this is. That's, that's pretty much right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's and basically what, where we're at. Too, with, with a guy like this, anything where he's saying it's not knowledgeable, I'm sorry, but when you're taking the EPO, or you're taking HGH, one, you don't take a shot at GH for repair, one shot. GH right. doesn't do that, not that way, and it's taken for months and months at a time. And two, EPO, that's something that you take with a syringe. Any fighter knows that anything that's going into him with the syringe is a performance enhancer, period. Right. So right. it's just, it's ludicrous, and these guys, he's an actively known cheater. And it's it's a shame that guys like this get a, you know, pro six six-month suspension and get, he didn't even get, get that on the major promoter 
Yeah, I mean, to me, that's that's the big story here. I mean, Miller, I, I, I said this last March. He's a fucking idiot. I, I mean, to blow the opportunity he had with AJ, even if he went in there and got knocked out in the first round, he would have been a fucking millionaire overnight, and he blew that. So right then and there, he showed his stupidity. Does it again here. It's clear that this guy has been doing this his entire career. I mean, at least it looks that way. And for top rank to pick him up, sign him, Put him on a show like this. I get it that we're starved for marketable heavyweights. And I get it that they wanted to feed this guy to Tyson Fury in the garden at some point, maybe in 2021. It would have been a successful defense for Tyson Fury. He would have looked good beating him. And Miller would have talked up and promoted the fight. I get it from a business point of view. But this dude didn't even get suspended because there was a loophole. He wasn't licensed. He is licensed now. At least top rank licensed licensed him. In your opinion, how long does this guy need to be suspended for? Is it a lifetime ban? That's, well, one, my thought process is, of course. I mean, we live in America. You make a mistake. You're a fucking idiot. You can do almost anything in this country and get a second chance. Right. When you do it again, that's when you lose it. Uh, the problem is, Michael, is who's going to be the one that really starts enforcing all this stuff? I mean, so top rank has a little bit of egg on their face in this yeah. situation, of course. But let's not act like five of the guys that are in the top ten or fringe top ten haven't been busted for performance-enhancing drugs. Alexander right. Povetkin's going to be fighting in his backyard, you know, next month. You've got guys across the board uh, that have been busted and come back. And so if you do not take a hard-line stance, and that's never really been seen, because any guy that's trying to make any money, he's been, you know, right now guys are making five grand to get their face thing in the fucking hamburger, and they're looking up and they see the top ten, and they're all performance-enhancing drug users, and now they're making millions. Well, damn, I'm not getting drug tested. I'm, I'm on the lower level. I'm outside of, the, you know, the, 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 the scope of anybody right now. So I'm going to take as much performance-enhancing drugs as I can, until the time where I might possibly get tested once or twice or a year through maybe one sanctioning body. I mean, it's, it's, there's so many failures. It's systemic failures in regards to it is systemic. drugs across the board. Yeah, I, I think um, – let me ask you this. I mean, well, we'll talk about HGH and EPO specific. I think people are pretty familiar with yeah. HGH because of the whole baseball thing years ago. But um, – Canelo Alvarez, you know, after the clenbuterol scandal, when he did a year of random VADA testing, year-round VADA testing at his expense, where they could either take urine or blood samples at any point, he had no uh, knowledge of when they were going to come and collect or anything like that. Could he have cheated that? Could he have cheated then? I mean, not that we're suggesting he did. I want to make that clear, sure. but. Sure. It'd be much harder to, right? Yeah. I mean, he'd have to be a genius. He'd have to have yeah. a team of scientists right. around him, right? No, yes and no. So there's a couple of things there. Okay. Because first of all, you were very clear in pointing out that Canelo actually paid for the 365 testing. And that's yes. a huge difference from the clean boxing program. Absolutely. Most people think it's 365 random, but it's not. No. Canelo did that for one year. By the way, he did not re-up for that. Yes, okay? so that's right correct. So right now he is not having that. There are no boxes. Zero. Zero. Getting it. Random 365 a day testing, period. Um, when he was under that, it would be incredibly hard for him to skirt based upon them coming on a frequent basis. 
Okay. Now, if you were under, say, the clean boxing program, where it's random, but even I've talked about that a lot. No yeah, more. yeah, yeah. It's it. They're not. That can get around. You can listen. If there's Hollywood stars that can, you know, go on cocaine vendors and everything like that, get that shit cleared out within like a day or two because they go on trial. Trust me, there's a lot of oral things that can be cleared out pretty quickly. And cycling off of injectables, it takes a little bit of time, but not a lot of bit of time. So. The big thing is, is when you've got a guy that's making three. Now, listen, I'm not saying that this is happening. You're asking me if it's possible. Right. I don't know if I have $365 million. You're, you're that, muffled again, you know, Jonathan. Depending on, yeah, I'm so sorry, Mike. <laughs> it's all, well, it sounds like it's there. like every three or four minutes you're, you're getting muffled there. I don't know where you're at. No, it's okay. I'm just at the house, and oh, okay. you just let me know if you can hear me. Okay. Um, but it's just like in the Miller Report for baseball. Guys admitted that they were getting the wink, wink, nudge, nudge that the testing was coming. And right. I know from talking to athletes, they would know when test was coming. I'm sure he could figure some things out if he wanted to. He's always going to be ahead of the system, especially a system so backward as it is in boxing. Yeah, you're uh, you're muffled again, man. You're, I don't know what's up with your mic, but um, guys, what Jonathan oh, no, saying is pretty much. Oh, there you are again. You just keep going in and out. But I, your sentiments. Um, I, I agree with your sentiments exactly. I mean, this is stuff that I've talked about at length. And what I what I don't like is this is part of why I reamed Bob Bennett that one time after the Adelaide Bird scorecard. Part of the reason why I was so pissed is because no one else was talking about it. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I grabbed the mic and started asking questions. I feel like there are people in the media talking about this. I know you talk about it. I've certainly talked about yeah. it. I've written, I've written articles in Ring Magazine about it. And I've had people message me privately like, hey, man, I can't say this publicly, but keep pushing because no one else is, right? Why is it? that it's guys like yourself and myself are so few and far in between that actually talk about this shit, you know, with any, any sort of honesty and, and uh, consistency. Is it just the press pass? Um, I think that, <laughs> yeah, no, because Lord knows I don't get much of those. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that truthfully, People, a lot of times people don't really associate how damaging it can be in our sport. And unfortunately, and I really hope my phone is clear for this because it's incredibly important and I talked about it on my show today. Unfortunately, it's going to take somebody in a major fight dying and then them finding on the other side that a guy is taking performance in his Then everybody's going to care. You know what I mean? Yeah. It takes 500 times something happening for there finally to be people outraged enough for it to happen. We see it in our everyday life on TV, right? It, it takes so many little things until something big happens, and then it's like, why hasn't there ever been change? And unfortunately in this situation, people really don't know, you know, just how scary this could be. It's already a dangerous enough sport, but if you give heavyweights, any weight, but you think about a heavyweight fighter, going in full force against a guy who's winded and has gone eight rounds. That's the difference between a guy taking performance-enhancing drugs and not. And it's going to end up with a death, Michael. I, I'm not saying that flippantly. I'm saying that with all due respect to these, you know, these beautiful warriors, you know, like they would say yeah. on HBO. But truth is, 
it's going to happen that way. And then, only then, will all of a sudden it matter to spend a few hundred extra thousand dollars in investment from each one of these, hopefully from the sanctioning bodies, but it needs to come down from the network. Because they're the ones with the money. They're the ones that can actually make all of these promoters do something. And as soon as somebody dies on a big pay-per-view or on Fox TV or on the Zoom or whatever the case may be, let me tell you, if that day comes, there's going to be massive change that happens. Until then, it's just not big enough a deal for people. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff costs money. And I think it does, it just comes down to money for a lot of people. I've actually interviewed several fighters and said, would you do what Canelo did and do year-round testing? Guys who I think are 100% clean. And they say they tell me as long as someone else pays for it, I don't want to pay for it. That's pretty much what you hear. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the WBC clean boxing yeah. program is funded at maybe one or two percent of where it needs to be. You know, I, I can't tell you how many fighters maybe get tested once a year, if that. As you mentioned, there are several who haven't been tested in eighteen months. And the WBC means well, but if they're putting up one hundred and twenty thousand dollars or so a year, about a hundred grand a year for that program, that's great. It's great that they're putting up that kind of money, but that is not even one-tenth. The budget needs to be well over a million dollars to do it the right way, you know? It's unfortunate, too. They could even do baseline. The cheapest level of testing is urine. Right. They should do that as soon as guys become professionals. And like I said, like you said, it's not just the WBC. At least they're doing something, you know? All right. these other bodies and promotions always put it, well, it's the promotions. Well, it's these people. No, it's the commissions that should do it. Oh, the states should do it. Bullshit. They're all going to post the death of a fighter. And that's when the change will come. But these guys can afford it. You know that, Mike. Uh, Across the board, there is so much money in this sport that the fact that there's less than a half of 1% going into drug testing, it's ridiculous. I think um, boxing is obviously a 1% sport. But I think if somehow NSAC started a rule or something where 1% of all live gate revenue in Nevada, or maybe it's more than 1%, but whatever, pick a number, uh, is taken annually and that is reallocated to doing testing or maybe doing brain scans. I mean, there's there's enough money at the high end of the sport, at the top 1%, the, the big fights, the big pay-per-view fights, the big Vegas fights. If you just took 1% of the purse – and, and, and put it to testing. I mean, somebody like Canelo Alvarez, and again, we're using him as an example because he has tested positive before. He has done year-round annual testing. He's kind of a, uh, you know, a interesting case because he's kind of been, he's kind of run the gamut with yeah. this whole thing. But he's also the highest paid fighter in the sport right now. And for him to take $100,000, $150,000 a year to pay for random testing for himself, um, why not? Why not? It, it's a gesture that shows that the one guy who was willing to do that for his whole career is Nonito Donaire. Doesn't get Nonito enough credit. Donaire. He's the only guy. The only guy. Uh, let's... Yeah, so here's oh, the other issue. The, you know, the one last thing that I want to say in regards to that point is that the appetite to be in that 1% is always going to be hungrier than the people trying to cut down the drugs. You tell any of your listeners, any of my listeners, hey, you take a supplement, it's not really going to hurt you much. You might hurt another guy, but you're going to set up your family and your family's families for life. We're going to do it. That's a and good point. until it's mandated that that's not the case, that's going to be there. And it needs to be fought as hard as the guys that are in the ring, struggling in the gyms, getting their faces caved in, saying, damn, I'm sick of this. I want to make the big money, and I'm willing to take a shot to do it. 
that that risk versus reward is so large for them in their eyes that the risk needs to be much much higher. Complete bans, you're out of the sport. Yeah, I, I like Miller is an example of a guy that you know. Let's just take politics out of it, remove all that, because I do think he has some demographic advantages that is why he got a second and a third chance. If he was a 115-pound guy from Nicaragua, he would have never got picked up again by top rank. I, he would have never got the, these opportunities. So he, he does benefit, but we could talk about that another time. But the fact yeah. that this guy didn't get suspended – and could have just walked right into another fight. If he, if he, let's say he didn't test hot, he fought this guy on July 9th, beat him, knocked him out, looked good. He could have walked into a title fight next year. And here's a guy that's been doping clearly for years now. Like, that's a broken system, dude. This system is broken, and we can't be the only people talking about this shit. People need to start talking about it more. Yeah, and the the talking is the talking is important, right? It's kind of like talking how you know what we're really sick of how many how many homeless there are, or we're really sick of you know the water issues. But it's not in our backyard, and so we'll talk about it. But are we actually going to physically do anything about it? And so there's promoters that talk about. It. There's been a lot of talk from a lot of higher ups about how outraged, how frustrated they are. No, they could talk about it till the cows come home. It's just the fear that they're only going to talk until they force to do in the forest is going to come in that scary situation. I really don't want that to happen. Nobody does. Yeah. But it, it's unfortunate. The other thing that's missed on, on performance-enhancing drugs, it's addictive. And mm. I have seen so many guys get to so many heights and be so successful and yet still continue to press themselves, to push themselves. You guys want to see the saddest stories in any type of athletics. Look at any bodybuilders over 50 years old that you, know, you used to look at as a kid or that your dad looked at. They're all dead. Yeah, they don't stop taking the drugs. Yeah, and so you got a lot of guys that are so wrapped up with I can only be who I am because I take this, whether it be as a boxer or a football player or bodybuilder, whatever it is, that the risk it doesn't even compute to them anymore because that is just part of their day to day, and that's another problem that I think is going to have to be you know focused on is the addiction to these things as well because once you start, you become reliant upon it. That's and a your great whole point, dude. Part of it, so. It's, yeah, it's it's really it's a tough one, and it's, it's a tangled web that doesn't need to be sewn unless unless somebody from up top on high really makes a stand. And it's got to be somebody. To be honest with you, it's not going to be a, a network because they're just putting it on, even though they're the ones they don't give a absolutely shit. do it. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be a Bob, it's got to be a Lou, it's got to be somebody. You know what? It's got to be somebody uh, like Skipper who owns the zone, has worked at ESPN, who's in sporting, that's in with the network, and says, nah. Still making a stand. If you've ever done anything with drugs, nah, we're not putting you on the drug. And just make that very freaking clear. And it's very easy to say that. You know what, Povetkin, you're not fighting. Yep. Povetkin's no, another one, man. We're just. I well, and, and here's the thing: I do believe in second chances, but at what point are the second chances more important than somebody's life being at risk? Right. You know. So yeah, if you've tested positive, dude, that sucks should have been smarter about it we've laid out everything and now every fighter coming you know from this place forward knows you're not fighting on top rank if you've had a performance enhancing drug test you're not fighting you know on fox on pbc those statements do need to be made it's unfortunate that they're not yeah and the only problem with that with the broken system that we have right now where where there's a million different platforms a million different promoters different networks 
if top rank says we're not dealing with dopers anymore, okay, I'll just go fight over at PBC or I'll just go fight over at Matchroom. There's always an alternative. You can go somewhere else. I think the Association of Boxing Commissions needs to get involved. I think the Nevada State Athletic Commission, the most powerful commission in fight sports, needs to get involved. And there, is, there needs to be uniform standards. Right now, the WBC has a program. The other sanctioning organizations don't. So, okay, if they don't want to have a program and they don't want to spend money on testing, like that's their prerogative, but there should at least be some uniform standards. If you test positive for a WBC title fight, you shouldn't just get stripped by the WBC or taken off the ratings there. You should be taken off the ratings in all the sanctioning organizations. It should be a mandatory one-year suspension. Boom. You test positive again, two-year suspension. Third time, you're done. I mean, there, there needs to be some sort of uniform standards and, until we get that. It's almost like when a kid has divorced parents and they can play the two parents against each other. If the mom doesn't give them the toy they want, they can say, well, daddy's going to buy it for me. Then the mom goes and buys it. It's just it's how the, fighter, sure. the fighters have figured sure. that shit out, bro. Oh, yeah, the fighters always will. I think, though, that from this is going to be, like I said, unless something tragic happens, it's the court of public opinion. And while it's always nice for the kid to go get the toy, you know, from the other parent, long term, he's going to respect the one that put the foot down. And I think that it does take somebody to say, hey, no, you know what? Fine. You want to go fight on those networks? Those networks then are going to be under the scrutiny of every other media saying, why don't you guys just put in a simple rule like this? And, hey, why did you sign the... That fighter, when right. you know, obviously promotion A said they're not going to be taking on any drug guys. Why are you guys doing it? See, then it starts turning a tide. I mean, all I'm saying is a step needs to be taken somewhere, and it has to be done by powerful people. I wish I could say that you and I are in that boat, but we are not. <laughs> we are right. not powerful people. It has to be from somebody that's going to make people like us and the fans go, "Wait a minute! If this promoter can do it, why can't you do it?" And then the wheels of, you know, turning and change can, you know, kind of about, kind of come about. That's good stuff, man. I, I totally agree. Um, before I let you go, because um, I need to get to everything else, but I, could you just briefly talk a little bit about EPO and why that's so fucking dangerous in boxing? <laughs> uh, it's incredibly dangerous. Uh, EPO uh, has been incredibly effective in other sports. I'm the underwater again to watch there we go okay oh, damn it. okay uh anybody could watch uh the lance armstrong that were primarily taking one thing right epo um it's also been prevalent in baseball um you're talking about increasing cardiovascular capabilities to the nth degree um a lot of these drugs People associate steroids mm. and performance-enhancing drugs with big muscles looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, that's not the case. Right. Fat, skinny, whatever. It's about increasing the ability to do what you do better longer. That's it. And that's exactly, without getting too scientific on it, the oxygenation of blood, why we're breathing. You know, we suck in a lot of air because we're trying to get quality oxygen. It would be the equivalent of taking out all of your blood, putting it into one of those O2 masks that you see the old people you know, having all the time and reading. Yeah, it just went away again. 
Ah, son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, everyone on the chat is like, he sounds like he's underwater. Uh, guys, I promise you, Jonathan's show is high-quality audio. It's worth a listen. I am so sorry that my cell phone sucks, man. I really am. I should have gave him a call on the same You, you got to get that new I, I iPhone, really bro. Am. You got to upgrade, man. With what money? With what money? I had to start taking drugs and work my way. Yeah, there you go, man. There you go. Start selling them or something. <laughs> Well, hey, man. Me on the show, man. I'm not going to fuck up your audio anymore. Okay. Well, before I let you go, thank you for being on the show. We'll do it again with a better phone. But uh, tell everyone where they can yeah. find you and follow you and check out your stuff, man. Yeah, check out the Ringwalk podcast. We're on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, etc. at Ringwalk John. You'll be able to find it. Most of your guys are pretty savvy. All right. Thanks a lot, brother. Have a good one. Right. Thanks, Monster. All right. All right, guys, there he goes, Jonathan Lear. And, uh, look, I apologize for the audio of that call. Guys, freaking technology, man. Again, I, I like Jonathan's show because he talks about stuff like this, and his audio quality is awesome. It's just wherever he was today with his phone, it just wasn't working. But hopefully you guys could get enough out of that conversation to get an idea of why this shit's important. Okay, so um, I'm not going to repeat too much of what uh, Jonathan was talking about, but like EPO, um, there's there's an example of another one that it's not necessarily going to make you look all jacked like a big steroid. People think of doping as it has to be steroids. The dude has to be huge. Most fighters, most I'd say martial artists in general, the stuff that they're doing, the dopers, it is more for endurance and recovery. And as Jonathan alluded to, you don't necessarily need to do it a couple weeks before a fight, which makes what Jarrell Big Baby Miller just did even stupider. I mean, the guy's just an idiot. But if you get into camp, let's say, let's say you have an eight-week camp, and there's certain drugs you can take right at the start of camp to help you cut weight to where maybe you come into camp five pounds lighter so you don't have to basically have what they call, quote-unquote, fat camp the first few weeks of camp. You come in at a decent weight, and you can right, get right to the good stuff in camp, right? Um, there's also drugs that help you push harder. Think about it this way. If you took something that made you – let's say normally you run seven, eight miles, and that's your, your max. I mean, after seven or eight miles, you just start to break down. You just, your body starts to shut down and you got to stop and you got to chill. You got to get some water, some recovery. But let's say you take something that helps you push to nine, 10, 11, 12 miles. Okay. And let's say you train with that substance. So instead of running seven to eight miles, you're running 11 or 12 miles for three, four weeks. And then a few weeks before the competition, you get off that shit you still have the benefits of what you just did the last three or four weeks. You've been running longer and harder. You've been pushing your body to new heights. So your endurance is better. It's higher than it was before. So even though you get off that stuff for a few weeks, you still keep those benefits. Now, you're not going to keep the benefits for five years if you stop taking it, but there is a residual effect for weeks, sometimes months after you stop using this stuff, okay? You guys got to think about it that way. So it's not like you just flip a switch and all of a sudden if you stop taking this shit, it's just gone. If you use it and know how to use it, and these guys have people around them that are very, very smart and do the science. We have so many things that we can test now. I mean, you guys have seen 
clips, I'm sure, of athletes putting on the, the mask and jumping on the treadmill. And, you know, there's scientists around monitoring everything. The carbon dioxide they're breathing out, uh, the, the oxygen, how they're breaking everything down, right? The oxygenization, it's hard for me to say that word, uh, in their blood. All that stuff, their recovery. Uh, you know, I, I, the DEXAFIT scans. I've done a couple of DEXAFIT scans, you know, and, and there's all sorts of tests that they can do. So this shit's really high level. It, like, it's, it's improved dramatically. The science of doping has improved dramatically over the last 20 or so years. And nowadays, it's more about, as Jonathan said, doing what you do, but doing it longer, doing it better, doing it harder, doing it faster, et cetera, et cetera. It's not just old school doping where you're just pumping up muscles and getting big and buff. Now it's dudes that, you know, could, it's dudes who run marathons, cycling, Lance Armstrong. Great point, right? That's a great example. That dude didn't look huge, but you saw a physical change in his appearance. You could see it. Even though he was skinny, you could still see a physical change and you could see the times of the races changing. Okay. Athletes get better over time. They don't get that much better. Look at Major League Baseball, uh, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds. All of a sudden, these dudes were just knocking out 60, 70 home runs a year, right? After that doping scandal when baseball really started to incorporate some systemic changes to go after those guys and do better testing, have we? how many guys have hit over 50 home runs since? Has, has there been anybody? If there has been, it's only a handful. No one's hit 60 since. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't think anyone in baseball since McGuire, Bonds, and Sosa, that whole era, I don't think anyone has hit over 60 home runs since that point. So uh, it, it shows you that if you incorporate that change, it will make a difference. And you guys have seen the fighters. Had issues with stamina. Now they got stamina. Uh, looked slow and plodding before. Now they're moving swift on their feet. It's one thing to improve as a fighter. But some of these improvements just don't look right. That's all I'm going to say. Super chat pledge from my man, Trent Nanparil. He says, tomorrow night, ESPN, 165-pound Olympic team member, Javier Martinez debut. Yes, sir. 165-pound U.S. to watch Troy Isley beat Madrimov and Joe Hicks. And how am I going to say that name? (laughs) Uh, Kishniak. Is the best in the world at 165. Beat Hicks and Isley. Francis Hogan, 19-year-old, is legit. Guys, my man Trent knows what's up with the amateurs. Follows that scene very closely. Thank you so much, Trent, for the Super Chat Pledge. And thank you so much for becoming a Patreon uh, member, a patron of MLB, brother. I sincerely appreciate it. All right, guys. uh, Jonathan Lear in the chat says, Sorry, fellas. My iPhone 1 sucks. I need that Montero money. Thanks for putting up with the audio. Apologies, Michael. Hey, man, it's all good, Jonathan. Thanks for being on the show. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed some of that, and we'll have him back on for sure because, again, we need to talk about this stuff, all right? The more you know, the more you know. All right, back to news real quick, guys. Let's let's cover some stuff here. Um, COVID, two, two positive tests. Uh, Jamel Herring test positive for COVID, was off that fight last Thursday. He's pushed back a couple weeks. Pedraza Lepierre moved to the July 2 date. We'll talk about that in a second. Roberto Duran, all-time great, test positive for COVID. Uh, hospitalized as a precaution. But from everything I've read, everything I've heard, everyone I've talked to, everything looks okay. Everything looks good. He's fine. Uh, the, the hospitalization, that freaked people out, but it was just a precaution, a smart one. 
but he looks good. His family says he's feeling just fine, okay? I thought this was interesting. And another uh, COVID-19 lockdown, uh, I guess, um, victim is the way to look at this. Inside PBC boxing canceled. So Fox announced that uh, Fox and FS1 laid off over 20 employees. They were part-time, full-time employees, I think both. Cut boxing and wrestling shoulder programming because they said it's because of low ratings, quote-unquote, but maybe that's part of it. But it's also because, let's be honest, there's nothing to talk about right now. And um, even though some shows are coming back and there's some things to talk about, the ratings aren't going to be good right now. So – that was that was a hit for them, man. Um, you know, another I'd say COVID nineteen victim. I don't know if those inside PBC boxing shows ever got a ton of ratings. There were people in the media that tried to talk about all the ratings and you know promote those shows as much as they could because they're PBC guys. But um, in the end, it is now canceled. Interesting. Uh, Eladir Alvarez buzzkill injures shoulder out of his July sixteenth fight with Joe Smith. Uh, instead of canceling that fight, I think they might push it back like to September. So I think we'll still get that fight. I think it makes sense. Don't just put Joe Smith in there with another guy, push it back a month or two because Alvarez and Smith, that's a great freaking fight, man. I love that matchup buzz kill, but I think we'll still get that fight. Uh, speaking about ratings, let's see. Um, uh, do I want to talk about this ratings, ratings, ratings? Uh, okay. I just thought I should mention this. I just, I'm looking here at my notes, guys. The top-ranked cards, and I'll talk about some specific um, ratings, but they've been averaging about 300 to 400,000 viewers. A lot's been made about that. Some of the PBC guys in the media have been bashing the shit out of ESPN while you know talking about how great their ratings are. Meanwhile, their show just got canceled. Look, 300 to 4,000, 300 to 400,000 viewers out of 85 million homes, that's ESPN's in 85 million homes, that is, I think, five thousandths, five thousandths of a percent. It's either five hundredths or five thousandths of a percent, if my math is correct. Not very good. I get it. However, in Top Rank's defense, I thought I should mention this. Top Rank has made offers to many, many managers for to get their fighters on these shows, to get bigger name fighters on these shows that would hopefully draw bigger ratings. They have been rejected by multiple managers and promoters saying our fighters are not ready. They haven't been in the gym. They're not ready to go. So we can't go right now. So they're dealing with a tough situation. The ratings are not very good. I get it. But uh, most of the guys that they've been featuring are undercard fighters, guys that would be fighting, you know, at the untelevised portion of a show. These guys are getting a chance. Yes, some of them are only getting paid five grand, 10 grand, but these are guys that would be fighting when there's 50 people in the arena when the doors open at 4 p.m. or something. And now they're fighting on national television. So, uh, you know, look, it is what it is, man. Okay, uh, speaking of fighters coming back, Golden Boy Promotions and Matchroom getting back in action soon. Virgil Ortiz Jr. will be fighting Samuel Vargas. That's a nice matchup. That's a nice little matchup right there. Fantasy Springs Casino in California. So this will be the return to boxing for California, July 24th. That's a nice little fight, man. I mean, for a get-back fight, that's a solid matchup. Samuel Vargas is an experienced guy. Matchroom USA. 
planning to start up again in late August, possibly, probably Las Vegas. They're talking about possibly matching Regis Progre against Pablo Cesar Cano. I like that matchup. That's solid. Devin Campbell, or I'm sorry, Devin Haney versus Luke Campbell. Devin Campbell. Devin Haney versus Luke Campbell. And they're talking about bringing back uh, Julio Cesar Martinez, WBC flyweight champ. So he'll be in action. All those fights, uh, those fighters should be featured in Las Vegas, I think, with Matchroom USA. Now, regular Matchroom on the other side of the pond, they're doing what they call Fight Camp at Eddie Hurd's compound during the month of August for most of the month of August. And it culminates in an August 22 bout between Dillian White and Alexandra Povetkin, two guys that have a history of doping, particularly Povetkin. I think what Povetkin was doing and everything, I think probably more to it, shadier, than what Dillian White was doing. However, both have a history there. And say what you will, man, but these guys are uh, – Dillian White's a top five heavyweight. Povetkin's still a top ten heavyweight. It's a good matchup. I know. I sound like a massive hypocrite. But here's the thing, guys. I reported both of those cases that both of those guys were involved in. Honestly, I talked about it openly, consistently, the same way I'm talking about Jarrell Big Baby Miller – as much as I would say about White and Povetkin, what Miller did, much worse, much more egregious, m- much more obvious. And there were a lot of people on Twitter, some of you guys on Twitter tried to accuse me of, oh, you didn't have nothing to say when Tyson Fury tested positive or, or Alexander Povetkin did. Well, that just shows that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Because those of you who watch this show or listen to this show know that I went hard on Alexander Povetkin and really hard with Tyson Fury because no one was bringing up a damn thing with him. You guys know that. You guys know I've been very consistent and fair with this. But what Big Baby Miller did, different. Uh, Just a different level, guys. You know what I'm saying? It's not to justify what any of these guys have done. I'm just saying they're not all the same. You know, they're my favorite word, nuance. Anyway, Regardless of how you feel about the fight politically, I like the fucking matchup. Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin should be a damn good fight as long as they don't show up in the ring looking like two sloppy fat fucks. If they show up looking like two sweaty, sloppy fat fucks, might not be a good fight. If they've somewhat stayed in shape, somewhat stayed sharp, should be a damn good fight. Okay, even better fight I think we're going to get between Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce. That has been rescheduled for October 24th at the O2 in London. I think that Eddie Hearn believes by that point, or Eddie Hearn, what am I saying? Uh, That is uh, Frank Warren, sorry. I think he thinks by that point, if it's at the O2 in London, they're hoping they're going to have fans there. I think that's the plan with that one, but obviously that's going to be pay-per-view over there in the UK. So they should get enough revenue for that to where even if, they can't have fans by October 24. They should be able to get enough revenue to, to pay these guys. I like that fight. I like that two young – Joe Joyce isn't that young. His career is young. But in the case of Daniel Dubois, young guy, and neither one of these guys really needs each other. They don't. They can continue doing what they've been doing, okay? The fact that they're taking this fight, I think these guys deserve credit and more boxing nerds like diehard boxing fans need to be talking about this. Dubois and Joyce deserve credit for taking this matchup. All right. And um, 
I, I think Dubois is going to win that fight. I really do. Not that I think Joe Joyce doesn't have a chance. I know he punches like he's underwater. His punches look like Jonathan Lear's phone sounded <laughs> earlier in the show. Okay, but he is loose and kind of fluid, and he's a big dude. And he's going to be the best opponent Dubois has fought. So just as a boxing nerd and a guy who loves the heavyweights, I'm really looking forward to that matchup. I'm telling you guys. Don't sleep on that one, man. Okay, review time. Let's review what took place last week. Uh, Tuesday, June 23rd at the MGM Grand, inside the bubble. Joshua Franco scores a unanimous decision victory over uh, Andrew Maloney. Who Maloney took his first L. Franco takes his first title. The WBA regular 115-pound champion, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, is the super champion and, uh, yeah, so there you go, WBA. I'm happy for Joshua Franco, but we all know who the real fucking champ is there. Come on. Come on. Does anyone think that Franco would beat Chocolatito right now? I don't know, you know, but I'm just saying. Um, that's unfortunate that the WBA does that. But, anyway, feel-good story for Joshua Franco, who, by the way, I'll probably be interviewing tomorrow for a piece that I'll be doing on him in the next issue of Ring Magazine. As soon as he won that fight, I actually hit up Doug Fisher and said, Doug, that should be my next story. Let me do a story on Joshua Franco. And he was like, hell yeah, bro, get on it. So uh, we'll be doing a story on Joshua Franco in the next issue. Anyway, he wins by the scores of 115-112, 114-113 twice, dropped Maloney in the 11th. And I talked about Franco last week, right, that he's mostly known by boxing fans for the three fights he had with Oscar Negrete at 118 at Bantamweight. Three very close fights. All three of them really could have went either way, most people feel. Fits in much better at 115. He looks strong and sturdy on the inside against Maloney. Really, at times, dominated Maloney on the inside, particularly on the inside. At 115, this kid's a fucking problem. He learned a thing or two in those three fights with Oscar Negrete. Uh, Robert Garcia did a fantastic job with him in camp. He looked super, super focused and zoned in for this fight. Uh, we're going to try to interview Robert Garcia this week, too, which is interesting because he don't like me a lot. So that's going to be a fun conversation. But uh, anyway, great job by Robert Garcia. Great job by Joshua Franco. And for Maloney, this isn't the end of the world, bro. You took a no. You can improve from this. He, he showed a lack of skill on the inside. And this is something now that he can work on. His brother fought Thursday. His brother Jason lost a fight, uh, what, last? No, it wasn't last. It was 2018 against Emmanuel Rodriguez, right? And he improved from that loss. So Andrew Maloney can improve too. The Maloney brothers are good quality prize fighters. They really are. You know, I think people may underrate them because they're from Australia, maybe here in America or the UK. You don't always notice the guys over there in, in Australia. But these guys are solid, solid prize fighters. And I do think Maloney could come back and improve from this. Uh, the card averaged 310,000 viewers, peaked at 390,000 viewers, right in where I talked about a minute ago. Those cards have kind of averaged. Uh, Joshua from San Antonio, Texas. What have I been saying about Texas? For the last few years, guys, I'm telling you, I got to keep on saying it, that that's going to become a hotbed. I think it's, it's already there. I just don't think it's universally recognized in the sport of boxing as a hotbed of young talent. 
but they're coming, man. You got the Charlos. You got Spence. Now you got Franco. Uh, there's a bunch of guys. You got Virgil Ortiz. Right? I can keep going here. A bunch of guys from that area. Now you got another one. Anyway, what's cool about Franco, and boy, the Golden Boy promotions need this. I mean, they needed this. But Franco is a guy that Golden Boy promotions pretty much took from the cradle all the way to the promised land, right? He, he, he grew up in their farm system. Seriously, I'm going to make a baseball analogy here, but L.A. Fight Club, those fights at the Belasco, right? Uh, Joshua fought there seven times. I was pretty much at all those. Seven times at the Belasco Theater, uh, Franco fought there. That is basically single-A ball, right? Then he bumped up, and he was fighting at uh, – he had three fights at Fantasy Springs Casino. So that's kind of a bump up from there. That's like double-A ball. He had the three fights with Negrete. That's like triple-A ball. He fought on the Canelo Smith, Canelo Liam Smith undercard a few years back. That's definitely, just in terms of the atmosphere and everything, that's triple-A ball. So he's kind of gone up, right? And this was his first shot at the major leagues. You know, he got up to bat, and he fucking, he didn't knock it out of the park. It wasn't a home run, but it was a triple you know what I'm saying? And he scored a run. He got in there. He got his title. So awesome to see this from Golden Boy Promotions. And this is something that they can take now and shop to other young prospects coming up that they try to sign. Look what we did for this kid. Not everyone's going to be a Ryan Garcia or a Virgil Ortiz and kind of you know skip in line and jump right to that level. A lot more fighters are going to have to do it the way Joshua Franco's done it. But you look at just how he's built himself up in that farm system. Look at where he's at now. His next fight, say what you will about the WBA. Yeah, they have 800 titles in every division. But dude has a world title. Fighters love belts. And now that's going to get him a good payday for his next fight. He's working out with uh, Robert Garcia at that great camp there out in Cali. He's got the confidence now with the title. He's a different fighter, man. Different fighter. That's just awesome. Awesome feel-good story. One of the real feel-good stories of 2020 in a year of dog shit. That's a feel-good story, man. Props to Franco, uh, the Garcia camp, and Golden Boy Promotions on that one. And for ESPN for putting up that fight. Because they could have put Andrew Maloney in there against a no-hoper in a completely one-sided mismatch. And you could tell that show was about promoting Maloney. That's who they wanted to win. But they matched him tough. You got a tough result, but it was a damn good fight. So props to everybody involved there. Okay, Thursday, June 25th, back at the bubble. Jason Maloney beats uh, Leonardo Baez by retirement. I can't remember which round. I want to say it was like the eighth round or something. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't remember. Anyway, uh, so Maloney is 4-0 now since that split decision loss to Rodriguez in 2018. This, is his sec- this was his second fight in the USA. So the fight against Rodriguez was the first one. It was close, but he lost that fight. Learning lesson. I think he's improved since then. Now, the last four guys he's fought, not too great. He's been back home, but this was back in the United States against a good quality, rugged opponent who could handle himself. He could handle his business, and he looked really, really good in this fight. This fight peaked at 430,000 viewers, average 350,000. So for whatever reason, perhaps because the Tuesday night main event was so good, the Thursday night ratings were better. Funny how that shit works, huh? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I, I'm just saying. Perhaps because Tuesday's main event was so good and competitive and you saw an upset, 
and you saw a similar looking on paper, similar looking matchup Thursday night, perhaps, you know, 50,000 extra people tuned in. Because like, oh shit, let's see what this is about. Crazy how that works. Saturday, June 27th in Mexico City, Miguel Burchelt beat a cab driver. There was no commission present. The Mexican uh, commission does not recognize sports right now yet. So I don't even, does this count on Burchelt's professional record? I don't know. There was no commission people there. Like I looked on BoxRec and I don't even know what they have listed there on BoxRec. Uh, it's, it's really, really weird. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of an in-between thing because there's no commission right now. Doesn't really make sense. Anyway, that was the result. You know what? I've seen a couple of super chats here. Let me jump over here to the chat real quick. Because I got to say thanks. My man Trent, again with the super chat. Thank you so much, dog. He says, yo, I and everyone love Madrimov. My favorite Uzbek is Bully Beck, though. Then Gaiasov. What do you think about Gaiasov? I thought he got robbed in an ugly, ugly fight versus... Yelusinov. Man, these names. Whew. I'm going to have to pull this up. Because I think I remember what fight you're talking about, but I want to make sure I got the right one. Because I think you asked me about this fight before, dude. Um, oh, you're talking about amateurs. Shakram Giasov. 9-0. and oh. Out of Uzbekistan, fights out of Brooklyn. It's interesting with the Uzbeks because, like, half of them are in Brooklyn and then, like, half of them are over in Cali. So they're kind of getting all over the place, all over the, uh, the states here. Oh, where'd you go, Trent? You were on the chat. You dropped off here. I don't see you. Yeah, I like Giasov. I'm trying to see where I've seen him. He's another guy with Vadim Kornilov. Kornilov is really, really building this. Man, I was going to say building a stable. He has a stable. Yeah, so it was the 2016 Olympics where you lost to Yulusinov. Um, Yulusinov, another good-looking guy, but he's out of Kazakhstan. A good-looking prospect, I should say. Good-looking guy. That sounds homosexual. Uh, I meant good-looking prospect, guys. So, um, yeah, um, Shakram Giasov, super lightweight, 5'9", out of Uzbekistan, 26 years old. That's the thing with all these guys. They're kind of at an advanced age, you know, uh, to go pro. And I think these dudes, what's good is they're not going pro in their 30s, like some of these guys were years ago. They're in their 20s, but they're not 21, 22. They're mid, they're not early 20s. They're like mid, late 20s. And I think that has him, or has them, you know, lined up to, to challenge for a title within the first couple years of their career, the first few years. Sean Thompson in the super chat. Thank you so much, my man. I appreciate it. Sean, he says, trying to call from Scotland and keep getting a London company. How do I call brother? Really? Sean, that's weird. Uh, Sean, all you guys in the UK, man, maybe something's still up with the phone lines. Cause they were down last week. Skype has been killing me. UK number is 02081 So get on the, get on the line, man. I don't know it, but something must be up because I know I didn't realize at the time, but a few of you guys called or uh, messaged me this week and said, man, I tried to call the show last week, but it wasn't working. Something happened. So I found out Skype was down and I don't know. uh, Maybe it's still down. Maybe something's going on with the UK number. Let me see. But uh, I will look into that because I'm paying for that shit. That ain't right. But yeah, there was no calls last week. And then even this week, I'm getting nothing from the UK. So yeah. Something's going on. Super chat pledge from Harrison Property. Thank you so much. 
He says, howdy and good morning, Mike. Wow, good morning for you in your part of the world. What is your prediction for the future business relationship between Ryan Garcia and Golden Boy? Thanks, Mike. Well, good morning to you, my man. Uh, you, you know what? Long term, dude, I, that's going to be a nasty divorce. It just, it's not going to freaking work, man. I just don't. Oh, you know what? We got a call here from the UK. So let's see. But dude, I, I just can't see how long term that's going to work. And it's not him. It's his advisor. It is him, but it's also this dude who's advising him. And the type of personality Oscar De La Hoya is, I just don't see that shit working long term, man. Unless Ryan gets humble overnight, I don't see that shit happening. All right, let's go to the phones here. 353, you're on the neutral corner. Go. How's it going, Mike? How are you doing? Good. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. Everybody should hit the like button and help out. I wanted to make sure your phone lines were working for the UK. Looks like they are. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Of, uh, <laughs> Appreciate my, it, Mark. My, I don't know what the hell happened, what do you man. Think of, uh, <laughs> I want a quick question. Sure. What do you think of this McWilliams uh, Arroyo fight versus Martinez? The Zones first headline fight with uh, Cecilia Bracus and Jessica McCaskill on the undercard. Did they finalize that? Yeah, that's. Uh, it looks like it. I'm seeing it on Twitter. It's announced. Really, really. Let me check this out. I want to see if it's on the schedule. Cause, uh, yeah, you're right. Damn, dude, that's a good fight. I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, because I know uh, they were going to bring Martinez back. They were talking about that. And they're talking about Tulsa? Wow, Tulsa. It's right now. It's on the schedule for Tulsa, yeah. Oklahoma. That can't Originally, be right. they were looking at doing Martinez and Arthur Delakian. I guess that must have yes. fallen through, that unification. Yeah, that's what they wanted. Arroyo. That's a very good replacement. That's a great replacement. That's a great replacement. McWilliams Arroyo is a really underappreciated fighter. Good quality fighter. So I well, like that a lot. Early in his career, other than early in his career where he lost to, I uh, can't remember his name, he's only lost to elite level competition. Kazuto Yoka, Chocolatito, you know, he's, and I'm not running wrong, who at the time, I, in his prime, for anyone who doesn't know, running wrong was dangerous. Yep. Very dangerous at Floyd. Yep. Super dangerous. Unbelievable boxer. Beat Casemiro and Kazuto Yoka, so high level competition. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. What do you think of that one? Like, what what do you think of the card? Looks good. That's a nice card, man. Um, the the lady fights good. Uh, Giasoff's on there fighting uh, Francisco Rojo for one of the WBA. Oh, it's the international WBA. One of the five thousand WBA titles. That's a nice card, dude. It's very interesting to me that they put it in Oklahoma. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, that's a very interesting location. I wonder why they would go there. But maybe they're allowing maybe they're allowing public events in Tulsa. They have to be, yeah. I mean, it must be something with the commission there that they're got some lax rules. Maybe Eddie just doesn't want to have to deal with all the shit in Nevada. Um, but you know, I like the Brekus McCaskill fight. McCaskill's tough. She's going to bring it. Uh, that's going to be a fun lady fight to watch. But that Martinez Arroyo fight, that's really, really good. And then uh, being able to see Giasoff, who Trent was just talking about in the chat, uh, he's scheduled. What is that? How many yeah, rounds? Yeah, great prospect. It doesn't say how many rounds that's scheduled for. I wonder. Yeah, Shakram Giasoff is a fantastic prospect, by the way. Fantastic prospect. 
They were actually talking about the possibility of Giasov replacing Morris Hooker to fight Regis Progray. So he, that would he, be is, amazing. he is a good fighter. That would be a very good fight, but it looks like he's got a fight lined up with lot. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you know, keep him busy. Time. Get him, you know. So I, I guess that's going to be on the zone. I mean, I haven't seen shit from the zone. They haven't said anything, have they? I haven't been following them on Twitter, but um, no, that's the zone comment. It's the zone. Well, that's good. So I guess the zone will finally make their return. That's uh, August fifteenth. So yeah, that's a good card, man. Like it looks like. I mean, Eddie Hearn's going to have a busy April. Uh, April, August, a very busy August on both sides of the pond. So that's good shit. Indeed, I'm going to drop off. Have a good one, Mike. Thanks. All right, you Thanks too, for brother. Time. Thanks Take for calling in, man. All right, so we checked the phone lines. Looks like we're good. Yeah, I don't know, man. I know uh, last week the phones were down, and uh, this week I, we were having – I did some tests a couple hours before the show, and we were having all sorts of problems. At one point I could hear myself, but I couldn't hear people calling in. You know, I had people call in to, to like a test line, and it was really, really messed up. I don't know what the hell is going on here. Unrivaled Boxing Talk and News with the Super Chat Pledge. Thank you so much. He says, no contest. No contest indeed. And let's see. I think that's all the Super Chats. You guys have been awesome on Super Chat today. Trent says, Giasoff will knock Progray out cold. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. So far, Giasoff, seven knockouts, though, in nine pro fights. So he has had a couple of fights down in Mexico, one at Wembley. And then uh, a couple of California, a couple of New York. So he's getting around. He's fighting all over the place. And now it's going to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's crazy. All right, let's talk real quick about fights uh, coming up this week, guys. Um, Tuesday, June 30th, inside the bubble, Alex Saucedo from Oklahoma City, who's only lost once in his career. That was to Maurice Hooker in 2018, going up against Sonny Fredrickson out of Toledo, Ohio. That should be 140 pounds. I think 140. And then Thursday, July 2nd, uh, MGM, Jose Pedraza of Puerto Rico going up against Trinidad native, Mikel LePierre, Trinidad in Tobago, who now uh, fights and trains out of Brooklyn. I dated a girl from Trinidad once. She was a psychopath, but a lot of fun in certain areas. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, um, yeah, that was, um, yeah, whatever. So this was the fight that was, I think supposed to be on a week or two ago, somebody in LePierre's camp tested positive for COVID. So uh, they pushed that back and now you're going to get it this week. Also on that card, Rubisi Ramirez going up against Aiden Gonzalez. Remember that name? That's because that's who beat Ramirez in his pro debut last August. I love this move by top rank. I love that they're keeping this kid busy. Number one, but also they're getting him in there within a year of that loss. I expect him to put on a statement performance in that fight. I think he's going to stop Gonzalez. That is my prediction. And then Saturday, July 4th, in Mexico City on ESPN+, Plus, they were supposed to have this card from down there, and Jaime Munguia was supposed to be on it. I've asked around. I cannot get confirmation. Is he on that card? Is he not on the card? At this point, guys, his name is on the schedule versus TBA. I don't know 
if he is going to fight or not. I really don't know. There's no commission down there right now. Anything goes, but he was originally scheduled to fight on that card, but there's still no opponent. So I don't know what the hell is going on. But check your local listings. ESPN Plus, Saturday from Mexico City, you're supposed to see boxing, and Jaime Munguia was supposed to be on there. All right, uh, we have another Super Chat pledge from Unrivaled. Mark, thanks so much, man. He says, I love Giasov, but Progre would be too much, too early. Don't feed him to Progre yet. I tend to agree. I tend to agree, man. I, I just think, look, Lomachenko, all right? Forget about Lomachenko and Salido, that history. Just if you had never seen, say they had never fought before. If I told you, you know what, Orlando Salido is going to beat Vasily Lomachenko. They have a fight scheduled in October. And I told you, Orlando Salido is going to beat Vasily Lomachenko. You'd laugh at me. You'd think I'm fucking stupid. You'd say I'm crazy, right? Everyone would pretty much predict Lomachenko destroying Orlando Salido. However, second pro fight, you got a guy who purposely didn't make weight. You got a guy who fought dirty as fuck. You have a, a ref hooking him up and helping him out. And Salido squeaks out a victory over Lomachenko's nuts. So, you know, Lomachenko, daddy sack is healed, and he's improved as a fighter now, as a professional fighter. And now and no one would deny that he'd absolutely destroy Salido. So there is something to be said about, you know, learning the pro game and, and easing in. Yeah, I, I would – I mean, the fact that Giasov's people were willing to even explore putting him in there with Progray says a lot about how they feel. But I, I would like to see him – Against, I'd like to see him against better opposition than he's going to fight coming up. But I want to see him uh, in there with a guy just under Progray's level before we put him in there. And Progray's a top five fighter in that division. All right, we have another call, guys. Let's jump to this call here. All right. 447, you're on the neutral corner. Go. Mike, how are you doing, brother? What's up? It's Sean Thompson. How are you? Sean Thompson, what's going on, my man? You got through. I'm so glad you did. I'm good. I'm good, brother. I finally got through. I must have put in the wrong number. <laughs> um, I just, I, I wanted to get your opinion on what everybody's talking about, like Fury Wilder, Fury dominating, and blah, blah, blah. And he'll dominate, he'll dominate uh, Joshua. But do you think a, a big part of Fury dominating Wilder was his size and his weight and he, would, he wouldn't get his way with Joshua that way. Like Joshua's big and powerful when he could push back. And I just I just want to get your thoughts on that. I was, I was going to speak about um, the whole, uh, what do you call him, the drug cheat, but I, I thought oh, everybody else has done that. So Okay. Yeah, thoughts, I, it's a good question, and it comes up. Uh, because when people saw how dominant Tyson Fury was against Wilder, a big part of that was him coming forward, putting his weight on Wilder, and making Wilder fight backing up. I don't think he'd be able to do the same thing against Anthony Joshua because AJ, number one, can fight on the inside. He's shown that before. He can fight backing up. he's a stronger man as well. Yeah, yeah. and he showed against uh, Ruiz in the rematch with Ruiz that he can fight backing up. He can fight with his back on the ropes. Um, Although, I mean, clearly Tyson Fury is much better than Ruiz. But still, there's a skill set there. Like Fury could have just walked him down. Against Wilder, now the, now the blueprint's there. If you don't let Wilder march forward on you and you back him up, he's, he really doesn't have much. There's really not much there. 
exactly. And if you push him back and you keep him off balance and you throw punches, he's 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 pretty limited. He's a limited guy. He's, Very. He was blessed. He was blessed by WC WBC title shot. I don't think I, I've always I've always been thought that he's, there's not much to well that to be honest. Yeah, I mean the thing with Wilder has shown that he has heart. You know, in multiple fights where he's been hurt and fought through it. So I, I give him credit for that. There are a lot of guys that get hurt and they look for a way out. Wilder's never shown that. So he's definitely got heart. He's a tough guy. But he's got a big yeah. right hand, and that's pretty much it. He has not developed and improved yeah. as a fighter. He, he, here's, where, here's where he has improved, Sean, and he does deserve credit. He's learned how to set up the right hand better. You know? He, yeah. But – he has the, to have an opponent, Ortiz, you know. Yeah, the, the, the second Ortiz fight, I was actually quite impressed. He was patient, and he waited, and he waited, and then he just let it go. Because right. you, you never seen that the first time, you know what I mean? Exactly. And even again, even in the first Fury fight, he rushed it too much. He, he maybe could yeah. have hurt Fury worse had he set it up better. Yeah. But he had a willing opponent in Ortiz. Ortiz just sat back. You know, Ortiz sat, basically stood in front of him. That's what Brazil did. That's what all these guys did. And this was the first time where Fury had the size, but more importantly, the skill to come forward on Wilder and avoid the right hand. And you saw the results, man. So now, could he do that against Anthony Joshua the same way? I don't think so. I really don't think so. It'll be a much different fight. It'll be very, very technical. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. Listen, I just wanted to call up and say, good luck, brother. Good luck with the channel. I've been following you for years. And all the best, bro, okay? Thank you so much, Sean. I appreciate it. All right, have a good night. All right. Super chat pledge from Carlos Alanis. Thank you so much, Carlos. I appreciate that, my man. Hope you guys are doing well out there. He says, I truly enjoyed uh, today's show. Love the topics. Great job. And I truly agree that all sports should be doing year-round drug screening. Hell yeah, my man. If we had what, what Canelo did for one year and what Nonito Donaire did for his entire career, if everyone was doing that right now, it would change the game. It would just change the game. But I don't think we're going to get that anytime soon, unfortunately. All right, we got another call here from a restricted number. Uh-oh. Restricted. You're on TNC. Go. Oh, hello, Mike. It's Hamid. Uh, Hamid, what's up, How man? You How you doing? Yeah. yeah, I tried calling. I haven't got credit at the moment because that like normally runs out after a month. So I gotta top up every month. But I tried calling the UK number. I'm not sure if that's working, or maybe it's the code I tried on mm. Skype. Uh, I'm not sure. I tried calling that number, but I have to use. The, I think it's the American one. I'll check into that because a few people have said that, so All there right. might be an issue with that number. Yeah, I, I was just wondering because I heard you say something. I was going to say, I wanted to talk about a couple of stuff. Uh, first thing, um, regarding uh, Ryan Garcia, I was uh, uh, see, uh, thinking he's going to fight Linares, but I don't think that fight's happening now. And no. I heard Linares is fighting Fortuna. Do you know what the situation with uh, his next opponent is? Or is he going to fight the winner of that fight? Because I don't think um, I don't think he's going to be fighting someone like uh, good like that in his next fight. It's possible that if he sits on his butt 
and waits for the winner between Linares and, and you're right, it's probably going to be Fortuna, which, by the way, I like that fight a lot. It potentially, you know, when, when those two fight, the winner of that fight versus Garcia, they can pay him more money. It'll be later in the year. The fight's been built up. Maybe he'll be happy with the purse. But as far as I understand it right now, there's nothing on the schedule for him. He's just sitting idle. People are pretty pissed off. And they have a right to be it. Look, I support fighters getting paid and getting what they deserve. Fighters risk their lives. But he renegotiated a contract less than a year ago, and he's bitching already about money. He could have had a showcase fight against a limited you know, opponent for $200,000, and that could have been a buildup for a fight with Linares later this year. And Ryan Garcia screwed that up. That's all on him, man. Uh, yeah, I I remember um, I've seen him do some videos with I think it's Jake Paul or I can't remember the name. Like the, the guy, he's on on social media a lot, a lot. Like I I think he's got talent. I remember seeing him in a fight a couple of years ago where he got hit, and I, I thought they need to develop the kid. But to me, I remember him going back and forth with Mares, and I think it was Khan as well. I know people say a lot about Khan's skin and that, but the way he how do I put it? The way he like uh, gets into these, uh, uh, like you know, going back and forth with these guys who have been there, and done it. Like to me, that I think he needs to either mature or he's. A, I personally think he's a car crash waiting to happen. Like he's gonna get knocked out and me have to learn the hard way. Maybe he might prove me wrong because he looks like he has improved with the Renosos, but to be real, he hasn't really fought anyone. So I don't know. It's tough to say. Uh, I think Lenares would have been a good fight but I don't know if he could take a shot I don't know if he could catch but do you think he's wrong like going back and forth with guys like um, Mares De La Hoya I know De La Hoya is his promoter and they problems on both sides but you, like for the guys like 21 I, I think he should be like uh, he should be you know someone who's looking up to these guys rather than trying to fight with these guys yeah I, I think so there's different ways to look at it. One way is he's using these other guys, their names, their uh, platforms to kind of build up his brand. And he has a huge social media following, right? So he can just tell his followers, hey, I tried to get a fight with so-and-so. I tried to bait this guy into a fight, that guy into a fight, and they turned me down. So he looks like a hero to his followers. I think he comes off like a petulant little kid, but – to some degree, this is Golden Boy Promotions' fault because they built this kid up. They hyped him up so damn much. And, you know, they're making comparisons to Oscar De La Hoya and all this stuff, which I think were ridiculous. I mean, Oscar won the gold medal. By this stage in his career, he was fighting guys much better than Ryan Garcia has fought at this stage. He just earned his stripes. It's a lot like I think a lot of prospects come out, like with Devin Haney. He's an example, where they compare him to Floyd Mayweather. I think that's ridiculous. It's not that Devin Haney doesn't have talent. It's not that Ryan Garcia doesn't have talent. But guys like Oscar De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather, they got in there and proved their worth before they started de- making all these demands. You know, they really had that's a track a record. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I agree. That, that's actually a really good point because I've seen a lot of people do that with Haney as well. Yeah. Uh, I think the only guy out of all those guys who actually fought someone and has kind of uh, backed up whatever the hype is, probably Teofimo Lopez. And if he does what 
he plans on doing in the next fight, what he's saying against Lomachenko, then he'll have probably overachieved at the age he's at. He hasn't had much fights as well. But I wanted to get your thoughts on this uh, Dillon White uh, Fury situation. If um, this what I wanted to know. If them two were to fight, say, after the Wilder Fury third fight, uh, do you think that's a more dangerous fight than, say, if Joshua is made to fight Usyk? Because I've seen a lot of people talk about those scenarios. Hmm. I personally think Usyk-Joshua could be a banana skin. I, I think Usyk might ruin that potential Joshua Fury fight if that fight happened. Yeah, so with Fury in white... Um... White, of course, could could land a big left hook and change things, but I just White has these inconsistent performances. He's a guy who gasses late in fights. He's heavy, uh, a lot of times. So I would favor Fury to win, but that's a that's a very dangerous fight, obviously. But Joshua yeah, and fight. Usyk, if Usyk, here's the difference. Okay, I think Dillian White would legitimately have to get kind of lucky and strike gold to beat Fury. With Usyk, as long as Usyk can take a heavyweight punch, we don't know yet. He might not be able to. But if he could take a heavyweight punch, he could outclass Anthony Joshua. That's the difference. I'm not saying he would. I'm saying he potentially could. It's not like he's going to get lucky and land one big punch and knock Joshua out. I don't see that. But he could box circles around Joshua. And that would be a big deal. Yeah, but I, I, that's what I was thinking. And I, I don't know if people have been aware, but Eddie has kind of been quiet regarding that situation. He's always said you know, in the last couple of months, uh, weeks, whatever, he may have to vacate the belt. But he hasn't, he hasn't mentioned the possibility of Joshua fighting Usyk as much as trying to get Joshua and Fury to fight or White and Fury to fight. Uh, I'm not sure what he really wants to do because I I, I think he might want White and Fury to fight and hopes White gets that belt of Fury. And after AJ's fought Pulev, he might think, although I don't think the time frame will work because Fury has to fight Wilder. I know this will probably all mean that Joshua will have to fight Usyk or either vacate that belt. But I think he might be thinking of trying to make an announce unification between White and Fury, although uh, I I don't I think Joshua will have to either vacate or keep the belt. Like uh, I personally think that's a dangerous fight. Uh, it depends how he looks against Pulev, but I do I do think we need to see a bit more of Rusek because he's been way too inactive. But I think Agreed. he's got the skill and ring IQ, and he's got everything to succeed. I think the only thing would be I think Fury might be too big, but. I don't think Usyk of Fury is a fight that will probably happen anytime soon. But thanks for taking my call. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks a lot, Ahmed. Yeah, I, I think that... Um, all right, see you. All right, see you later. I think to uh, to Ahmed's point, and I've talked about this on the show before, guys, um, Eddie Hearn's plan all along, I think he knows that he's going to have to dump that WBO title. AJ will have to dump that title. But why do it now when you don't have to, right? Why not wait? Why not wait until the WBO forces you to do it? Right now, they're not doing it because everything's been on hold because of the lockdown and stuff. So all the mandatory situations got put on hold. So until the WBO forces you to do something, you're not going to do anything. So they're going to hold on to that WBO title as long as they can. But if it comes down to either fighting Pulev 
or Usyk, well, clearly they're going to fight Pulev first. I mean, they're already talking about making that fight later on this year. So you're going to get AJ and Pulev first. And if the WBO says, we're going to strip you at that point, maybe he gets stripped. But they've made their choice. Clearly, Pulev is the more winnable fight. And if you're Eddie Hearn, business-wise, you know, you've, you, you're confident AJ is going to beat Pulev. And then if the WBO becomes vacant and you're confident Usyk will beat whoever it is, whether it's Chisora, whoever, you know, the WBO uh, bumps up, for him to fight for that vacant title, if you're confident he wins, then you know down the line, if a fight between AJ and Fury can't be worked out, well, then you got a unification between AJ and Usyk. So you could say, ah, the Fury people, top rank, Frank Warren, they lowballed us, but you could make some whatever excuse, and you could say, hey, here's your consolation prize, fans. You get a unification between AJ and Usyk, and you got that lined up for late next year. So that's what he's doing over there business-wise. Uh, Super Chat Pledge from that guy. Thank you so much. He says, great content, brother. Think I missed a few, but you deserve it. Great boxing opinions. Thank you so much, that guy. I appreciate it. I appreciate it very, very much. Okay, we're going to take one more call here, guys, and then uh, we're going to drop off. But let's take one more call. Last call of the show, 447, you're on TNC. Go. How you doing there, Mike? It's uh, Nigel from Nottingham in England. Nigel, what's going on? I'm all good, man. How are you doing? Doing well, my friend. Good, good. Um, I was um, listening to your show, great show. Uh, been a fan for a very long time and love your content. Just want to say that. Thank you. And um, I was looking, I want to take it back a little bit. Um, because, because of the old pandemic, I've been watching lots of old fighters. And I think one fighter that I really underappreciated is um, Mike McCallum, the body snatcher, the original body snatcher. Yeah. You know, and I feel from looking at, you know, when we talk about, oh, you know, from fighters from that kind of era, it's like Mike McCallum's not really mentioned that much, you know what I mean? And the dude was an absolute scientist in the ring, you know? He could do it all. Born in Kingston, Jamaica, to New York. Michael McKenzie McCallum, yes. body snatcher, 49, 5 in 1, 36 KOs. I just pulled him up here in BoxRec yes. because there's so many good fighters that he faced um, over the years. Yes. And I'm just looking here Julian Jackson, um, Donald Curry. Donald Curry, there's um, I see, uh, uh, a well, bunch of names there, like James. Steve Collins, James Toney. Yeah, trilogy there, yeah. And uh, my, um, there was a Michael Watson, another underrated British bo- British boxer, yep. by the way. Michael, Michael Watson, Watson in uh, Kingsington. Yes, yes, most definitely. Yeah. Roy Jones, and, and it's um, like, yeah, so, won some, lost some, yeah. but he won most of them. You know, he won more than he lost. He yes, most definitely did, yeah. And I'd love to, like, I, mean, I was going to talk about more like the most recent, like a uh, top-ranked show that you mentioned in, in the broadcast prior but you pretty much covered all the points i was going to bring up anyway so i didn't want to sound like a parrot and bore you or anyone else <laughs> listening to the show you know so yeah oh by the way i love that photo with uh, you and your mrs uh, tiffany and those killer white shoes man. ah thank you, you. Again. yeah, yeah man the, the white shoes got me a lot of comments some some people liked them some people did not like them but you know it, i i actually it was a friend of mine who was having his 50th birthday and I was like, you know what? Yeah. Fuck it. I'm going to break out the white shoes. 
And uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it worked. It worked good. We had a great time, man. Excellent. Um, there was one other thing as well I wanted to bring up. It's about the um, we talked about. We touched on the Dubois and Joyce fight that's rescheduled for October. Mm-hmm. Now um, I understand you've sided with uh, Dubois. I'm going the other way and going with Joyce. Okay. And the reason being is this: um, I've been watching. Um, obviously, I've been following Joe Joyce since the amateur days when he's represented Britain and they also fought in the W uh, in the World Series of Boxing as well for the British Lion Hearts, where he faced um, Usyk at uh, Super Heavyweight, I believe, where Usyk did beat him. But, um, you know, that was an interesting matchup, you know. So you can find it on YouTube as well. That was a good match. That I've was, seen yeah. that. But, um, yes. I've seen a few of yeah. his World so, Series of Boxing fights and a couple of his amateur fights. And I, I, I think a lot of people don't realize he fought some good fighters in the amateurs. He really did. Yes, he did. He yeah. really, really did. I mean, it's like... Um, um, that fight against um, the 2016 Olympics against Tony Yoka, yep. you know. But I personally believe that um, that uh, uh, Joyce did enough to get the uh, the gold medal. But you know, yeah, you're not alone. Trick, so. You're not alone in that opinion. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And another thing. So going back to about the Dubois Joyce, what it is I've noticed that um, Dubois he is a champion in the making, no doubt. I cannot disagree with that at all. I really like him. I feel that for being hypercritical, he doesn't move his head enough for me. And like, um, yeah. I feel that uh, if you're getting, getting to a Joyce who sometimes is very slow, but is consistent and his work rate is very, very consistent throughout a fight, you know, and I just feel that he will get, he'll tire out as a, as a, as a fight goes on, you know, I just, I, I just, I just got this nagging feeling that Joyce might be able to pull it off. I really, really do. You know, Nigel, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, would, I favor Dubois. I just think there's a little more there. But I completely agree with you. And I've said this before about Joyce. He has this natural comfort about him in the yeah. ring. You know, yeah. and I've compared it to James Tony, and people got mad. He's not James. I'm not saying he fights like James Tony. I'm saying that James yeah. Tony had this comfort about him in the ring. He just yeah. looked very yeah. – the, the the guy James Tony could be in the middle of a championship prize fight and he looked just as relaxed as if he were sitting at a table eating a sandwich. That's how James Tony looked, and Joe Joyce just seems to have that natural kind of relaxation about him, and I, therefore he doesn't tire out. At least he hasn't yet, and he throws all these punches, and they are slow, yeah. but they're from different angles. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's yeah. you know very possible that Dubois could walk into something he doesn't see coming. It's very possible. It is, and um, like talked about with the uh, with the, um, the calmness and the the comfort in the ring, and it's that. I mean that 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 speaks to experience because um, I mean when you talk about experience with Joyce, I mean the whole experience from WSB with semi pro with a fighting like five rounds kind of thing with no headgear and stuff before. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that counts for me, yeah? And, Agreed. Yeah, those yeah. fights should count, but, in my um, opinion. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, it's like we saw like guys like Hergovic, um, yep. Loma, um, um, I believe, I think Joe Cordina, um, another British fighter, fought in I there as well. You know, I'm trying to... Yeah. Uh, a bunch of guys. There's a bunch... Of, I mean, a lot yeah. of the guys from Eastern Europe, obviously... But uh, even American fighters, guys like Ruchet Warren and, and guys like that, yeah. um, have fought 
in, in the, the World Series of Boxing. And I, just, I think that experience should count. But there's a lot of guys that lost that don't want those losses on the record. There are a lot of undefeated yeah. prospects that lost fights over there that don't. That's why you, mm-hmm. that's why it hasn't happened because enough people. There's enough fighters out there that don't want those losses on the record. So yeah. and their promoters don't want them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I've got one more question I want to ask you there, Mike. Sure. You know what I mean? So uh, just be don't uh, forgive me for, for waffling on. Um, the U.S. Um, amateur boxing scene. Obviously, the producers are excellent. You know, magnificent fighters over the years, but recently, in the past few Olympics, not been performing as well as it should. Mm-hmm. You know, because obviously there've been some standouts, yeah. But what do you think is happening to the? Do you think there are issues within the U.S. amateur boxing system? Not saying that um, that uh, the British one's better, but it seems a little bit more. I think it might be better. I mean, pound for pound, the British system probably is better right now, but. Um... There, there's several issues. They're systemic. One of the biggest issues is uh, recruitment. And they, mm. the USA Boxing pays a stipend to their athletes. It's very small. Right. Okay, I don't want to give details, right. okay. but it's, it's, it's less than minimum wage. I mean, you could work at McDonald's or something and do better. So a lot of these kids, you know, who, let's face it, most, most kids who go into boxing are from the working class, right? Um, yeah. So they money is is a big deal, and when you could go pro, and even if you're only going to get five thousand, ten thousand for your fight, like some of these you know fights yeah. that you're seeing right now on ESPN, top rank, five thousand yeah. dollars, and some people are like, man, that's nothing. Well, it's more than something, or I'm sorry, it's more than nothing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it, you know, for people that need that money, it, the incentive to go yeah. pro is better. Plus. The scoring system is bad, and there have been instances where guys felt like they were robbed in certain competitions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of it. The biggest thing, though, man, we don't have boxing in our schools here. Some like there, There's a college here near Atlanta called Georgia Tech. They actually have a boxing team. There are oh. some colleges with boxing teams, but it's not an NCAA sport like college football or college basketball. I think if we had more – uh, you know, institutional boxing programs like that, yeah. it would help our amateur yeah. scene greatly because we used to have things like that and we just don't anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some excellent points there. There's lots of things considered there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Mike, um, it's time for me to go to bed. I've got work tomorrow morning. So thank you All very right. much for taking my call and hope to speak again soon, man. Absolutely, brother. Have a good night. Well, you take care, man. Cheers, bro. Okay, cheers. All right. Uh, whoa, what happened here with my chat? Uh-oh. I accidentally clicked off the chat because I saw a couple – oh, there we go. Hang on one second, guys. Yeah, we got a couple more Super Chats here. Unrivaled back on there. What's Unrivaled again? Thank you so much for the Super Chat. It says, Joe Joyce looked very uncomfortable versus Jennings. Body shots are his weakness. Interesting. Mark has an eye for stuff, ladies and gentlemen. So I think, uh, you know what? I don't remember noticing that. I need to go back and watch that again. Um, because if if Danny Dubois and his people saw that, I like the way Dubois can dig down and go to the body. And just the way he's built, I think that he could absolutely land body shots against Joyce. 
So that's something I need to look into, my man. You got a good eye, though, man. I definitely trust your eye. Super Chat Pledge from Harrison Property. Thank you so much. He says, can you break down the Dubois versus Joyce fight and how you predict the eventual outcome unfolding, please? Thanks, Mike. Absolutely, I could do it. Uh, and thanks for the for the second Super Chat, my man. Uh, so here's why. You know what? Let me, let me pull it up because I want to get their heights correct. I just want to. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, let's see here. Joe Joyce box wreck. I just want to pull up. I want to make sure I get the heights right. So Joe Joyce is 6'6". Six, six. Is Dubois 6'5"? I want to say he's 6'5". Where is that? There we go. All right, let's see. They list Dubois. Yeah, 6'5". Okay. 78-inch uh, reach, and then Joyce is... Yeah, so... so as big as Dubois is, Joyce is just a little taller, a little longer. And I do like the way he kind of just punches fluidly. And the punches come from all angles. And the one thing Dubois, as Nigel said, he doesn't move his head a lot. And he hasn't fought anybody that's forced him to move his head. I remember when he fought Nathan Gorman. There were a couple times there where Gorman, I, I want to say like Gorman like laid on the ropes. And time Dubois and actually landed some shots. He just didn't have the power or anything to do anything with it. And Joe Joyce probably could. My guess, okay, because I think their fight would probably be uh, I think 10 rounds. I believe that'd be a 10 rounder because I think Dubois has a couple of the minor titles. So it'd be a 10 round fight and I just think down the stretch, perhaps Dubois would tire there would be some learning on the job. Perhaps he gets hurt late in that fight. And perhaps Joyce has a resurgence later on. I think Dubois is just going to fight smart behind the jab. He's faster. He's a little more explosive. He's going to score enough punches in the early rounds and box smart, use his speed advantage and all that to build up rounds. I do think down the stretch, perhaps he'll tire a little bit and Joyce will have some moments. And Joyce will make the fight a little closer on the cards in the later rounds. That's just my gut feel. And I think that Dubois will pull it out and win a decision if it's a 10-rounder, seven rounds to three, maybe even six rounds to four, something like that. Uh, I I don't expect a completely one-sided fight. I I just don't because there's a lot of people out there on social who who seem to think this is going to be like this one-sided fight one way or the other. And I just don't see that, but... I like Dubois to start fast. I like Joyce to have moments in the second half of the fight and maybe even hurt or wobble Dubois down the stretch. And Dubois will show us if he's if he's got that internal grit, what he's made of, and you know, get through that and close out the show and win 96, 94, 97, 93, something like that. That's just my gut feel for that fight. As the fight gets closer, my opinion could change. But that's just my gut feel. All right, I lied, guys. I said that was the last call, but we got one more call on here. Let's take one more call, all right? And then uh, and then we'll end the show. 773, you're on the neutral corner. Go. What's up, Mike? Um, yeah, you know, I keep hearing the same arguments in the boxing community, boxing world, as I did from the UFC world regarding drug testing. Oh, that's impossible. Too much money. No way it would work. Just way too expensive. And eventually, UFC did the right thing and anted off 
get everybody's drug tested the right way through USADA. And I feel like boxing, they can do the same thing. They can do the same thing, but they're going to they use the same excuses. Oh, it's too expensive. That won't work. I mean, the athletic commission, the promotion, they all got to get together and figure this thing out and get these guys drug tested. Because you're telling me Jerome Miller was clean this entire time. As soon as the um, drug testing picked up a little bit, all of a sudden he starts failing drug tests and their drug tests. No, I'm guessing he's been doing it his whole time. Yeah. How many careers he's ruined based off him being on a calculator of drugs. They got to get with these stats coming in left and right in boxing. They got to figure this out. Um, Cause I think it's just excuse with the money. Say, oh, it's too expensive. Let's go for it. But thanks for taking the call. Why don't you get your thoughts on that? All right. Thanks a lot, man. Um, well, look, I, I agree about Miller. I, I said at the top of the show, I think that he's just, again, we don't know. Can't say 100% certainty. I, I need to preface. But it's pretty damn clear. Just take an educated guess. You just look at, you know, if it quacks like a duck and fucking walks like a duck, it's a motherfucking duck. I mean, this dude has been doping probably for his entire career. And the stuff he's using is particularly dangerous. It's not just the diuretic to help him cut weight, which is what a lot of fighters pop for, stuff like that. Uh, th- this is stuff that's helping him as a big man have more stamina later in a fight. And remember, he also got busted for HGH. And again, look at his body now, especially the upper body. It's, he's kind of oddly built. He's top heavy. But HGH, I mean, it, it, it affects people in different ways, but it will make your organs grow, uh, tissue grow, everything grows, right? Look at that dude's head and particularly his upper body. And contrast that to a picture from his kickboxing days. He's a different dude, okay? So when you're doing HGH on top of EPO and all this other stuff, that's a scary combination. So I think this dude needs to be out of the sport. If you want to suspend the guy and not ban him for life, I would be cool with a lifetime ban. But I don't think that's going to happen. But if it's a one-year suspension or something, that's a fucking slap in the face. It's got to be two, three, four, five years, something like that, something substantial. And when I say suspension, I don't just mean from fighting. I mean from training, from sparring, any of it, any of it. You can't keep them from going to the gym and hitting a heavy bag, but you shouldn't be allowed to spar, none of that shit, okay? Because knowing this dude is doing what he's doing, how many lives has he changed for the worse in sparring? as he's prepared, right? So, you know, it's actually, I was talking, um, I was I was in Charlotte visiting a friend uh, for his 50th birthday, and I was at the gym working out, and uh, Levante Early came in and, and bumped into me. He had been in Vegas at the Mayweather gym for a week working with those guys. And we were talking about just something he saw, not at that gym, but at a different gym while he was out there with a particular fighter that was sparring, four or five days a week uh, that did not need to be sparring. This guy clearly had health issues. You know, he saw some, and it was, you know, I, we got to talking and I, I explained to him, I, I've seen shit like that a million times. And you see these guys that are basically walking heavy bags that are to use in sparring. And I, I can't imagine how many guys Miller's worked with like that, that he's taken years off their lives with some of the shit he's doing craziness. Anyway. Okay. Last caller, I didn't get your name, 
But you brought up USADA testing and the UFC. Look, I don't like USADA. USADA is better than nothing, better than most. I'll give them that. VADA, much better than USADA. Just as far as I trust their testing better. I trust their process better. They also report every result they get. USADA, there's a ton of people that have tested positive, and they've done TUEs in the back room, backroom deals, and it was never even reported to the media. There's a lot of those UFC guys that are popping for drugs, and the UFC fans and UFC media are not being made aware of it because TUEs are happening behind the scenes. I don't trust USADA in their process. So they're not the gold standard. VADA is. And the WBC has a program with VADA. It's just not funded enough. Fighters that use VADA testing around the clock are the ones you could trust. Right now, zero, zero fighters are doing that, okay? So zero fighters are doing that. That means everyone, you could suspect everybody, everybody, okay? That's the bottom line. That's the reality of the situation. Now, it's... Should you be saying this guy is dirty, that guy is dirty when there's no evidence? No, you shouldn't be saying that. There are fighters who are testing positive. Those are the dirty guys. But we don't know for sure what anyone else is doing because no one's doing this shit around the clock. It's up to you guys to demand it. It really is. It's up to you guys to start demanding it. If a fighter is getting paid $10 million a fight or something, what's $100,000 to pay for drug testing? Now, I get it. I ain't got $100,000 to spend on this shit. I ain't going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand it's a lot of money. So we're, we're asking for a lot. I get it. But if it was worked into these deals somehow, where when DAZN signs a contract with Canelo, with Gennady Golovkin, with a promotional company, Golden Boy, Matchroom, maybe a deal is worked out where it's like, look, we're going to take, we want X amount, we're going to pay you this much for, the, for this fight. You know, this fighter is getting 10 million a fight, you know, whatever it is, but we want a certain percentage of this to go towards performance enhancing drug testing. Why can't you write that into the contract? Why can't you do it? You do that. You release it to the media. You let the fans know about it. That kind of shit's contagious. If somebody did that and stuck with it, I think it could make a difference. Okay. Uh, Super chat pledge from unrivaled once again. Thank you so much. He says, Mike, after this, check the clip I sent you on Twitter. All right, I'll check that out, man. I assume you're speaking about uh, uh, Joyce and Jennings. I will check that out, my man. All right, guys, awesome freaking show today, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Some great calls. Got the outro music going. Sorry if the audio levels were all over the place today, guys. Um, Truth is... We had all these tech difficulties, so, you know, we're working all that out. But it looks like the phones are back because we had some calls today. Enjoy those calls, guys. All right. Uh, fights tomorrow, Thursday, and I think Saturday. And then the show will be back next Monday, uh, July 4th weekend, right? So everyone here in the United States, happy Independence Day. Uh, enjoy your uh, holiday with your family and friends very safely social distancing remember all that good stuff and big announcement coming soon about the podcast oh shit some really really good news to share with you guys real soon so i'm excited about that all right have a good night guys i'll see you at the fights